0: This audio is brought to you by MuslimCentral.com I want to welcome you all to this, alhamdulillah. It's been a very long time since we've uh, had our weekly classes. And so tonight, inshallah, we embark on one of those journeys. I told myself that the next class that I would do would be an 8-week or a 10-week, but this one's probably going to be about 3 years. So, inshallah, brace yourselves, and I hope that we are all consistent. And uh, it's really a, I, I want to frame the series in this first class that we have tonight, inshallah ta'ala, and framing it in different ways. Framing it because if we only study history to admire people, then we're never going to be a part of making history ourselves. And if we see a hadith of the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa where he talks about these. Amazing distinguished human beings on the day of judgment and we don't aspire to be amongst them Then we're not reading those ahadith properly. And so what is this idea of the firsts? Um, and this idea of sabiqun forerunners, which is only one category of firsts. So what we're going to do inshallah throughout the next couple of years at least I would say, is we're going to take different people and different groups and study them only in the context of them being the first. So what does that mean? So if I, if we do a halaqa on Bilal, anhu, the first mu'adhin, we're not gonna do the biography of Bilal, but only the implications of him being the first mu'adhin and diving deep into that. If we do a halakha on Nuh, السلام, the first messenger of God, then we're only going to study the implications of him being the first Rasul, and so on and so forth. If we talk about the firsts in regards to those that did incredible things throughout Islamic history, we're going to talk about them within that context. We might talk about groups at times. So if we talk about the first muhajireen, the first to migrate, to flee with their religion, then we will talk about them in that context. And there are also firsts that exist in the Qur'an and the Sunnah as categories for us to aspire to. So, the first person to enter into paradise with the Prophet The first person to be dressed on the Day of Judgment. The first people to be brought near to Allah on the Day of Judgment. All of these different types of firsts as they exist within the ahadith as well as categories that we can uh, aspire to. Um, also. So it's a long series, and we're not going to go chronologically, but instead diversify, inshaAllah ta'ala, the different ways in which we talk about uh, these firsts. And uh Allah ta'ala, I pray that it will be beneficial. And So we start off uh, first and foremost, uh, asking Allah for, for, for this to be a blessed series and for us to benefit from it. And as we hear the firsts that we cannot become, we ask Allah to allow us to follow in their footsteps. And as we hear of the firsts that we can become, we ask Allah to make us amongst them. Allahumma amin. And so tonight, we're gonna do five categories of firsts as they exist within the Quran and the Sunnah. And yes, you have to take notes if you weren't intending to, uh, to get the full benefit of the series. And so the first group that we have within these categories are as-sabiqoon, as the forerunners. And so let's start off with them and how Allah talks about them. These are people that are forerunners to good. They rush towards the good when they hear about it or when they see it. They don't wait for anybody else to lead them that way. They don't drag their feet. They don't look around. They immediately rush to do good. And there are different ways in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about these people. In the Quran, Allah says, fil These are the people that rush and compete for good. They are in constant competition with one another, and in constant competition with themselves, challenging themselves to get to higher levels. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said Badiru bil a'mal as-salihah. rush to do good deeds. And so this is generally the category that the scholars uh, refer to as himma. people that have higher ambitions, that are driven, that do not wait for an environment to drive them, nor do they wait for anyone else to outdo them. But instead, they are self-motivated and driven because they know that this is pleasing to Allah, and so they rush to be amongst those who would be the first to please their Lord. And they're described in, in two ways. And the scholars talk about why the Qur'an mentions السابقون al The forerunners, the forerunners verily They are the ones who are closest to their Lord on the Day of Judgment. So why would Allah mention the Sabiqoon twice? And what's the difference between them and Ashabul Yameen, the people of the right hand? See, there are three different categories that Allah mentions in regards to people on the Day of Judgment. Allah mentions the people on the left, not all of you. The people on the left as in on the Day of Judgment. The people on the right, inshallah all of you. May Allah make it all of you and you as well. The people on the right. And Allah says that the majority fall within these two, the people on the right, the people on the left, and then Allah mentions this small group of people, of assabiqoon, of forerunners. They are not to the right or to the left, but they are directly under the shade of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la. They're directly under His throne. And the Prophet mentioned seven groups of people who Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la would shade on His, uh, under His throne on the Day of Judgment, and, uh, you know, we're not going to go into detail, but the point is is that there's this small group of people that outdo everybody else, and they are chosen amongst ashabul yamin. yameen So they are necessarily part of the believing group of people, but at the same time, they have excelled even beyond the majority of the believers and those that would enter into paradise. And from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that every, every mu'min will eventually enter into Jannah. Every Mu'min will eventually enter into Jannah. But these are the people that are the first to Allah's shade on the Day of Judgment. And these are the people that are the quickest to their maratib, to their stations in Paradise. So Allah mentions them twice. As-Sabiqoon, As-Sabiqoon. To the forerunners, the forerunners. And the scholars talked about this usage of language. The forerunners, the forerunners. Some of them said they rush to Allah in this dunya. Hence they will be rushed to Allah in the Akhirah. They rush to Allah in this life, and so they will be rushed to Allah in the hereafter. And so you think about the people getting out of their graves on the day of judgment, and the angels that drive them to their place, that literally the sa'iq and the shaheed, the driver and the witness amongst the angels that take you to your place. No one wakes up on the day of judgment and you know is able to pull up an app that tells them where to go. There's no ways or Google Maps on Yom Qiyamah, you wake up and you are taken to your place, and so these people, may Allah make us amongst them, they are driven to Allah subhanahu wa taala right away. Meaning the angels just immediately escort them and they rush them to Allah quickly, right? And so they find themselves immediately in the protection of Allah and they know it. And so in this dunya they rush to Allah, in this world they rush to Allah, in the hereafter they are rushed to Allah. Okay, so it's a be- that's one way of looking at it. Very beautiful, a very beautiful way of looking at it. In a practical sense, um, some of the scholars divided it into two. They said sabiqun are, are are of two types. The forerunners are of two types. One of them is that they are the first to respond to good. So it refers to ijaba. It refers to the response time. And so Allah mentions in the Quran, لا يستوي منكم من أنفق من قبل الفتحي. وَقَاتَلْ أُولَٰئِكَ دَرَجَةً مِنَ الَّذِينَ أَنفَقُوا مِنْ بَعْدُ waqatalu. That those of you that embraced the faith early on, before the Fath, before Mecca comes under the Prophet in the most inconvenient times, under duress, and fought alongside the Prophet Sallam were driven out of their homes with the Prophet Sallam, spent their money in the cause of Allah ta'ala, lost everything for this. Those of you that joined first, are not like those of you that joined afterwards. That the muhajirun, the, the the early believers, are unlike anyone else. And Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la has reserved the special rank for them. But Allah does not exclude anyone. Everyone has their own customized reward from God. So even if you know, some, someone might say, well, that's not fair. I wasn't in Mecca. And you know, I couldn't be like Hamza. Well, you might have been like Abu Jahl. So say, Alhamdulillah. That you know, Allah knows where He puts you, what time He puts you in, and how He puts you in this time. But the point is, is that there are these people that immediately accepted the Prophet ﷺ, or were very early on in accepting faith and facing the consequences of that. Uh, for us, that also means when you hear of a good, when you hear of a good, when someone calls you to good, whether that someone comes in the form of a human being or it is the angels that prompt you towards good, or it is hearing the verses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or hearing that internal pull, that fitrah inside of you that calls you towards good, that natural disposition towards good. What is the wait time that it takes for you to answer? How long does it take for you to actually activate? Right? When when, When you hear it, do you run or do you hesitate? And one of the one of the beautiful things that we find from the from the pious predecessors that they mention when Allah talks about dunya when he talks about the worldly life in the Quran, Allah Subh'anaHu wa Ta-A'la mentions fi Walk patiently. Walk on the surfaces the way that Allah has decreed for you to do so. When Allah subhanahu wa taala uh, uh, talks about the the, uh, uh, the khayr though fil khayrat. They are people who rush towards that good. So what's the hesitation time? Is there taraddud? Uh, is there hesitation? In that same surah in Surah al hadith because you might say, well I couldn't be from amongst those who were uh, who were from Ashab Al-Muhajirun, I couldn't be from amongst those first believers. So where do I stand? When Allah talks about the believers and the hypocrites on the Day of Judgment, Allah mentions the believers responding to the hypocrites that are asking them, انظرونا من نوركم you know, wait for us and give us some of your light. وَرَاءَكُمْ And they tell them, go back to where, you, where, where, you, where, you, where you're coming from and find a light over there. And most of the scholars say that means go back to the dunya, go back to the world if you want, and try to kindle your light there. Because you kindle your light for the hereafter in this world. And so when, when, whenever they are uh, wondering, they're calling out and they're saying, أَلَمْ nakun مَعْكُمْ Wait a minute, weren't we all together? We were all sitting in the same places we belonged to I mean we, we knew each other right we were all we were all mu'mineen. what happened? alam nakun ma'akum qalu bala fatantum anfusakum watarabastum it's really interesting the order fatantum anfusakum you you corrupted yourselves you spoiled yourselves the prophet when someone he made the call initially in Mecca people Some people thought about, you know, I need to respond because this is truth. Some people thought about, well, wait a minute. What about my idols, my businesses, my prominence, my corruption, my authority? So it wasn't about a recognition or a failure to recognize the truth in the Prophet It was about what are the consequences of, of, of actually accepting this truth. And so, you know, you had the Abu Bakr's and you had the Abu Lahab's who were like, hold on. If I submit to this, that means my money, my prominence, my, my corruption, my subjugation of people in the name of these idols, all of that is gone. And so tarabastum wartabatum refers to the holding back you hesitated. So fatantum anfusakum refers to the active corruption of self. Tarabastum wartabatum means you were just about to accept it and then you held back. You got cold feet. So the hesitation is condemned, as well. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he taught, in the beginning of Surah Al-Hadith, Allah talks about people that corrupt themselves, and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the difference in rank in accordance with how quickly people responded to the call. Then when Allah talks about, fast forwards to the day of judgment, and Allah talks about this conversation between believers and hypocrites, Allah mentions two reasons that the believers give to the hypocrites that they corrupt themselves, which refers to the evil, or they hesitated to the good. They, they thought, you know what, I'm going to do this tomorrow. So, there, can you imagine? There were people in Mecca when they heard the Prophet there were people who probably went to bed at night and said, you know what, tomorrow I'm going to go to Muhammad and accept uh, faith, and I'm going I'm to change this, I'm going I'm to leave this. And then they woke up in the morning and said, no, never mind. And because of that, they never became Sahaba, they never, they're forgotten uh, or put behind. There are companions, there are people that existed like that in the ranks. Uh, of Abu Jahl, right? There are people that were swaying between two, and they would hesitate. Imagine if Umar ibn al-Khattab, may Allah be pleased with him, when he, when, when he heard the message uh, that, that next time, when he read Surah Taha, right, in, in the house of his sister, and recognized this as divine revelation, if Umar would have said, you know what, this is, I'm going to go home, take some time, <laughs> think about this for a few days. Uh, he might have decided tomorrow to go kill the Prophet again. But Omar anhu said that I'm going to the Prophet SallAllahu No, I'm, I'm going to respond. So the, he- the lag time in responding to good is what's actually being spoken about in terms of subbaq, in terms of assabiqoon, assabiqoon. If you're in a race, you can you know, pace yourself, run a little bit slower so that you can end it in, a, you know, in the right way. But if you decide to just sit it out for a little bit and say I'm going to take a break for 10 minutes and I'm just going to sit on the side, you're not winning that race. You know, and you might just quit. So, constantly in that pursuit of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, this is the first one in regards to Ijaba, as sabiqoon, in regards to response time. Uh, The other one, the scholars say, as sabiqoon, as sabiqoon. They said the first one, as sabiqoon ila al khair, the second one, as sabiqoon, who run away, min al sharr who run away from evil. So, the first group are the forerunners to good, the second group are the first to run away from evil. Okay, to abandon an evil. And that's why some of the scholars say the forerunners are mentioned twice. Allah says in the Quran and in Surah Al-A'raf, "Inna Ladina Ta'ifun That verily those who are pious, when they feel an impulse from the shaitan, they immediately remember, And so their vision is sharpened, they have deep insight, they say, no, I'm not falling for that. So the shaitan strikes them for a moment, masahum. You know, some, some people, the shaytan gets in and Shaytan. An impulse strikes them. Shaytan says, look. And they go, no, no. And they remember God. And so they, they remember Allah. And so suddenly they can see properly. Right? So they're able to overcome that. And they're able to remain focused. And so they are sabiqun away from evil. Right? Forerunners too good. Forerunners away from evil. Some of the scholars mentioned some other beautiful uh, interpretations, just for the benefit of it. Uh, Ibn Sirin said, as-sabiqoon, as-sabiqoon, sallu uh, The forerunners, the forerunners, those who prayed towards Jerusalem and Mecca, because they're a special group of people. And uh, he expanded that concept of muhajireen because he said, the best of the muhajirin, or the best of the people of Mecca, are those who accepted the Prophet right away. The best of the Ansar, The best of the people of Medina are those who sacrificed in the first 16-17 months of Medina, which is when the Muslims were still praying towards Jerusalem. So he said, Both of these people, if you think about the early converts of Mecca and the early converts of Medina, they're both sabikun, is what he's saying. They're both forerunners. Because both of them sacrificed everything. Both groups sacrificed everything. So if you're in Mecca and Islam has grown now, okay fine after the conquest, after Fatah Makkah. If you're in Medina and you're the Ansar, maybe if you're one of the later converts in Medina, you're waiting this out a little bit to see how it goes. But those that accepted within the first 16, 17 months of Medina, which is when the Muslims were still p- praying towards uh, Jerusalem, as-sabiqoon, as kama qala ibn rahimahullah ta'ala. Some of the scholars said, as-sabiqoon, as those, the forerunners being the first who get to the Masajid. The first ones to the masjid and that'll be a category that we talk about and they said that the awalahum uh, khurujan fi and those the first ones to go out in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the first as you know is a practical way for us as well. Okay. So these are asabikun, the forerunners. The second category of firsts are the trendsetters, the trendsetters. Jabir ibn Abdullah عنه, reports that there were some desert Arabs, poor Bedouin Arabs that uh, showed up in front of the Prophet and the companions and um, they, had, you know, they were barely clothed, they only had a little bit of wool to cover themselves, they had no food, they clearly were, um, were malnourished. And you know, think about the site, right? You're in Medina, the community is getting established, and then you have these group of people. The assumption from the hadith is they're not Muslims. They are unknown to anyone, not from any prominent tribe. So you know how if you're from Syria, and there's a Syria fundraiser, if you're from Pakistan, and there's a Pakistan fundraiser, or from Palestine, or from Somalia, but then it's like another group, we always struggle. Uh, With the Sahaba, they saw this group of people, the Prophet وسلم, looked at them and he and he told the companions, Tasadaku, hurry up and spend on them in charity. who says that the Prophet وسلم, saw the hesitation and the slowness in the pace of the people. So he said the Prophet وسلم, was disappointed. His face looked clearly disappointed. Now, this wasn't zakah or mandatory. But the Prophet ﷺ was, he, he expected a quick response, he said, look at these people, they're, they're in need, quick, go run, spend on them. And the Prophet ﷺ saw that they weren't really that motivated. So he, he, he looked uh, disappointed Then he said one of the Ansar came to the Prophet ﷺ with a purse full of silver. and." he put it in front of the Prophet Sallallahu so some of the companions saw that so then they all started to go home and they started to grab their bags and put jewelry and put their coins in and come to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he said until you could see the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam's sadness turn into joy on his face he, he went from disappointment to, to being pleased Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam seeing suddenly the pace that he's used to from the companions like this is what I expected of you this is the pace that we're used to uh, if you're at a fundraiser um, you know, there's always that, uh, you know, if you've never done a fundraiser, you might not really get the implications of this. But if you're doing the fundraiser and you're looking out at people's faces and then you start off with that amount and people are like, man, who's going to be that guy? Who's going to do that? And then the first hand goes up and then other people, okay, you know. <laughs> it's, it's natural human instinct, right? But uh, there's something about this. So this person was not just a sabiq. He set the trend because the implication of the hadith, people were doing what he did. When they started to come and they started to bring um, their their uh, their their gold and their silver, so the Prophet captured the moment and he said, The Prophet said, "Whoever introduces." a good practice in Islam now in Islam here does not mean introducing a foreign practice into Islam it means a practice that's already within Islam right sabaqa is an established practice in Islam so he introduces a practice that is already within Islam in that he's the initiator of it okay biha ba'dahu and it was followed after that person now ba'dahu can mean In that moment, 10 seconds later, can mean 10 minutes later, It can mean 10 years later. The point is, you did something, and someone after you came after you and said, I'll do the same thing, was motivated by your doing, and did the same thing the Prophet said, that they would have the reward of the one who followed it without the reward being diminished in any respect. And so both the initiator The one who set the trend as well as the one who did it after that person have the same reward and it does not diminish the reward of the follower in any way whatsoever. So this means that if you are looking in the lifetime of the companions of the Prophet and someone did something good and we do it as a result of that, we use that practice as a trend that was set within the faith, that that person gets the reward every time. So if someone cleans up the masjid, and they remember the woman that used to clean the masjid, if someone uh, removes something harmful from the road, and they remember the unnamed person in the hadith that removes something harmful from the road, if someone uh, gives water to a thirsty animal remembering the story of that unnamed person who did so, that person, till think about how amazing that is. Tens of thousands of years later, sitting in their grave and is receiving a reward from Dallas, Texas, because someone did it and remembered, thought about that person. See how amazing? And that's why the Prophet said it does not diminish that person's reward in any way whatsoever. Okay? So it's it's just this, this idea of continuing that reward. There are other forms of trendsetters that the Prophet mentioned within the same category. He said in another hadith from Ibn Mas'ud, رضي الله تعالى عنه, من دل ala Khayrin. فَلَهُ مِثْلُ أَجْرِ فَاعِلِهِ Whoever guides others to an act of goodness will have a reward similar to that of its doer. Uh, the scholars here mention that this is a person who, who, is, uh, who, who is not even, you know, who is subtly, who, who's setting an example in a very subtle way. It's not setting a trend in a very obvious way, but in a subtle way. But someone sees that, and someone starts to act upon that good. Finally, the Prophet ﷺ said, man da'a إِلَى هُدَى Whoever calls people to good. Meaning, you actually call people to good. So you're the one to to actually preach it, right? And you call people to do something good. That he would have the reward equivalent of those people who follow that guidance. So, if you, if you, you know, خَيْرُكُمَّنْ The best of you are those who learn the Quran and then teach it. So you learn something good and then you speak that good. You actually say it. And people take that advice, that nasiha from you. You set the trend, you get the reward. Of course, you have to try to practice it yourself. But it started and initiated from the guidance that came from your mouth, from, from, from calling people. Dalla uh, means example. Da'a uh, means you actually called and the point is, is that you set the trend and so the people follow you in that trend and you have the reward of that um, as well. So those are, those are the first two categories. The first ones are the forerunners. Second ones are the trend trendsetters. The third group are the strangers. Al-Ghuraba. Al-Ghuraba. The strangers. And the strangers are described in different ways uh, within the uh, within the ahadith of the Prophet Sallallahu the Prophet said, Bada al-Islam Wa kama Bada Lil that Islam started off as something strange and so it will return back to being something strange. fatulba. so there's a valley in paradise assured, glad tidings to the strangers. Glad tidings to the strangers. The strangers are people who follow unpopular truths. The strangers are people who adopt unpopular truths. Okay, so it's actually bucking a trend. You're 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 actually the trendsetter is the one who sets the trend in good. The stranger, uh, most of the 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 the, uh, the explanations of this, yuslihuna um, Those who who rectify themselves when everyone around them or when people around them are becoming corrupt. So they don't actually follow the trend of corruption. So think about this in a, in a systematic way. You think about the forerunners. Forerunners to good, forerunners away from evil. And then you think about the trendsetters. They set good trends and people follow them. And then you think about the strangers. They stay away from negative trends that have become dominant. Okay? And so they too are rewarded uh, by virtue of that. Abdullah bin Umar anhu, he narrates that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam uh, took me by my shoulder and he said to me, "كون في الدنيا كأنك غريب أو عابر سبيل." Be in this world as though you are a, as though you were a stranger or a wayfarer. وكان ابن عمر رضي الله عنهما يقول. And so Ibn Omar may Allah be pleased with him and his father would say, "إذا أمسيت فلا تنتظر الصباح وإذا أصبحت فلا تنتظر Masa. If you uh, if you go to sleep at night, then do not expect the morning. And if you wake up in the morning, then do not expect the evening. And so it does refer to this idea of urgency as well, that typically people follow popular corruption out of pressure. And because they do that in a way to fit in or to go with the flow in regards to what they feel like will give them, will, will rectify their worldly affairs or give them a smooth sailing in regards to their dunya. But if you're thinking about your hereafter, and you're putting that in front of you, then you will not be afraid, or intimidated, or pressured to sacrifice something that will elevate you in the hereafter, because of something that is dominant in this in this life. Okay, so these are the the strangers. Al-Ghuraba. Uh, there are different ahadith. The Prophet said, that indeed the religion will creep into the Hijaz just like a snake. It will return back into the Hijaz. Referring to Al-Madinah. That when people end up in, in, their, in, in corruption, that the religion will return in its pure form and creep into that. And the Prophet SallAllahu said that the religion will cling to it just like the female mountain goat would cling to the, the peak of the mountain. Uh, and then the Prophet SallAllahu says, "Inna um, Ghariba." وَيَرْجِعُ غَرِيبًا أَلَّذِينَ يُصْلِحُونَ مَا أَفْسَدَ النَّاسُ مِنْ بَعْدِي مِنْ سُنَّتِي This hadith is, is in Tirmidhi, and there is some debate about it, but it still uh, establishes secondary evidence and gives some explanation to the concept of غريب here, the concept of being strange. The Prophet Sallallahu said, indeed the religion began as something strange, and it will return to being something strange. And so a valley in paradise for the strangers who correct what the people have corrupted from my sunnah after me. And so the Ghurabat here refer to people that, um, that rectify that corruption as well. So there is, an act, there is an activity to that as well. And Allah mentions this idea that the majority uh, is not always good. That this idea of the majority is not always good. And there are two ways to look at the majority. The Prophet ﷺ mentioned the majority in regards to the majority of what the Ummah is upon. Okay? And the Prophet ﷺ talked about this idea of clinging to the Jama'ah, clinging to the group. But the majority, as in popular trend, wa in akthara man fil Allah mentions that if you follow the majority of what the people are upon, what is found on this earth, you then they will lead you astray. And so this group is the strangers, and they are number four. And the last group are, I'm sorry, they're number three. So what are the three categories now? Forerunners, trendsetters, strangers. Forerunners, trendsetters, strangers. Okay? The fourth one now are the revivers, al-mujaddid. Al-Mujaddid, the one who revives. And it it, it constructs itself on the previous hadith that I just mentioned, this idea of a person who corrects and rectifies what is lost from the sunnah of the Prophet and brings it away from corruption. Uh, The reviver is a very interesting concept in the deen. Because the Prophet says, that Allah sends at the top of every 100 years, at the top of every century, a reviver that revives from the religion what is lost of it. That revives from the religion what is lost of it. This is interesting because, number one, is this one person? Is it a Fard or is it jam'a Is it plural? Is it singular or is it plural? And there are some people that have tried to you know, restrict it to the singular and so um, you know, there have been books written and so you try to identify who's the reviver of each century. And uh, in the Arabic language here, this, this hadith is not restricted only to the singular. And so it could be that there are Mujaddideen, that there are revivers that exist in one century and the scholars mention in two ways. Number one, they revive different elements of the religion that are lost. Different elements of the religion that are lost. And so, Umar ibn Abdul Aziz who is the only agreed upon uh, Mujaddid in history, in the sense that you know no one assigns a Mujaddid other than Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, those that, that, that consider this a singular person. No one revives a Mujaddid other than him in his century. Uh, Umar ibn Abdul Aziz revived notions of justice that were lost in this religion. He revived al Adil. He revived the sense of justice, right? He revived the practices of his grandfather, Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu, in establishing justice in the Ummah and bringing it back to a very, to, to a very special place, right? After it had lost its way. but. Uh, there are two ways here. There could be different revivers in different lands, and there could be different people that revive different elements of the religion. The point is, is that you find things that are lost amongst the people, that are good practices from the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, and a person can actually revive something of it. So Salahuddin ta'ala, for example, is, no one would argue he's not a mujaddid, but is he the only mujaddid of his time? Right, and there's some some gener- and this is where you get madhabism uh, at its strongest. If you if you call a Shafi'i a Mujaddid, but not Ahmad, or Abu Hanifa, but not Malik, what are you suggesting, right? And so this idea of tajdeed, this idea of revival, are people that notice things that are missing from the Sunnah of the Prophet وسلم, and they bring it back to life. And as a result of that. They bring, the, they bring the religion back to life in that region, or in, amongst their people, in, in guiding something good, and guiding towards something good. And this is actually, subhanAllah, something that we should all look towards, by the way. This idea of tajdeed, this idea of revival, in the macro sense, but also the micro sense. If you find a sunnah missing in a context, and you decide to revive that good practice, right, then that is a form of tajdeed. You find something missing. That could be conceptual or it could be something very basic. It could be something very basic, right? But the point is is that you take that initiative to say, let me revive one of the sunnahs of the Prophet in my context, okay? Something simple or something macro, something conceptual or something that's very practical. But let me take it upon myself uh, to be amongst those mujadideen, to be amongst those revivers, The last category are the distinguished, Al-Muhsaneen, Al-Muhsaneen, Al-Muhsaneen are not people that necessarily lead because they're the first to do something. Nor are they reviving something that's necessarily lost, but they do something so well (laughs) that they are distinguished in that good deed. They're distinguished in that good, and as a result, they are chosen amongst a people because of how well they do something, because they set themselves apart. And this is sort of the the, the opposite of the Ghuraba in terms of, uh, you know, you know, the Ghuraba are people that don't buckle to popular trends when that popular trend is in opposition to truth, as they as 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 they as they know it. Al muhsinin are people that aspire. That aspire in ways that other people would not, and so they always go the extra mile with that good. Ibn Al Qayyim rahimahullah has a very beautiful uh, way of tying the ghurabat to the muhsineen in this regard, the strangers to the distinguished. Ibn Al Qayyim rahimahullah said that the that 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 when a person would have embraced Islam, the Muslims, the Muslims become ghurabat in in, in the sense of the broader of of, of broader humanity, right? So they uh, they, they, especially if you're talking about uh, in the context of the Prophet but the point is, is that aslamu, they submit themselves. They end up, you know, they, they embrace what what alienates them, or they embrace uh, this religion, and as a result, they're persecuted. So the Muslims uh, become ghuraba in that sense. And then he said that the muttaqin, people of piety. Become ghuraba amongst the Muslims. The Mutaqeen become ghuraba amongst the Muslimin when they stay away from, because taqwa refers to tarkil ma'asi. It refers to leaving off sin. When they stay away from sins that have become popularized amongst the Muslims. Isn't that interesting? So they become ghuraba And you know this if you're in a, you know, in, in a Muslim context at times, even amongst your families, right? if you don't do things out of consciousness out of out of you know truly feeling like this is sinful then the pressure sometimes that you'll get from other muslims is more severe than anything that you'd get from people that aren't muslim because it's like what are you trying to say about our culture what are you trying to say about our practices what do you mean are you are you implying it's it's like threatening them because are you saying my islam is insufficient and your islam is sufficient right and so that pressure sometimes that you get for not doing things that, that have been popularized even amongst Muslims that take you from not from, from, from disbelief to, to, to belief but from Islam to taqwa from the, from, from the external declarations and practices to a place of piety and God consciousness that no, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not comfortable. It doesn't mean you're a jerk. It doesn't mean that you're rude with people. It doesn't mean that you are condescending or judgmental, develop, develop pride. It's that I'm, I'm not okay with this. And I'm going to abstain, because taqwa refers to abstinence, abstaining from sin. I'm going to abstain from this. So you become a gharib even amongst the Muslims. And then Ibn Al-Qayyib rahimahullah said, And the muhsineen, those who excel, the distinguished, are ghuraba even amongst the muttaqeen. They become strangers amongst the muttaqeen. Because they go above and beyond in doing good that other people will not. And so they, they they set themselves apart. You can't become a muhsin without being a mutaqi. right? And by the way, this is—it sounds very basic, right? But some people really miss this in practice. How? Because they excel in some ways, and then you know the sins of the tongue. Pfft. So if you think about that that woman, the Prophet mentioned, who was uh, the companions came to her and they said about her that. This woman um, prays her night prayers, she fasts extra days, all these different things. But I can tut the jiranaha. But she has an abusive tongue to her neighbors. So she had ihsan in one way, but she didn't even have taqwa with her tongue. And some people think that having ihsan in some things absolves them of having taqwa in everything. You can't. To become a true muhsan, you have to become a muttaqi first. So you reach a level of taqwa and then out of that taqwa, the same drive that caused you to stay away from what has been popularized, causes you to long for what has been neglected of good. See that? It's the same thing because it's Allah that makes me when other people say go ahead, and it's Allah that makes me long for what other people are not even longing. And so the muhsineen set themselves apart with good deeds, distinguish themselves with good deeds, Even amongst the mutaqeen. And you know, I'll end with this concept. Al-Hafidh ibn Rajab rahimahullah comments on this very beautifully. He says, and this has nothing to do with quantity. Nothing to do with quantity. The the distinction here has nothing to do with quantity, but it's all quality. Because he says, Allah says in the Quran, لِيَبْلُوَكُمْ أَيُّكُمْ أَحْسَنُ عَمَلًا نَأَكْثَرُ عَمَلًا That Allah may test you to see who amongst you are the best with their deeds. Not the most with their deeds. أحسنُ is different from أكثرُ. Umar ibn Abdul Aziz only prayed two rak'ahs every single night in Qiyamulit. He did not pray more than two. He never exceeded two. But as his wife said, his two were nothing like all of your Qiyam put together. The two rak'ahs of Umar ibn Abdul Aziz were just out of this world, literally out of this world. So it's not the pl- it's not the quantity, but the quality then. That longing, that longing. And so the muhsineen then become distinguished even amongst the minhum. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us amongst them. Allahumma ameen. And so, what are the five categories? Let's go through them, insha'Allah ta'ala. The forerunners, number two, the trendsetters, number three, the strangers, number four, the revivers, number five, the distinguished. Okay, so these are the five ways in which you become one of the first. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us amongst them. Allahumma ameen. And inshaAllah ta'ala, from this week onwards, uh, we'll start to actually go through names and categories and things that we can start to implement in our lives. And I pray that it's a benefit to us all. Allahumma ameen.